Hello. I am extremely excited to talk about what I'm about to share. Um, my my kind of like my first love, you know. Like seriously, Star Wars. Um, the podcast was one about Star Wars uh, initially, and I'd really tried to blend this fan fiction, you know, her fan sorry, fiction, fictional universe that I so deeply and love, really love, and uh, my family loves, and people that I really enjoy love, I would say my community loves, and it's just exciting that I got hooked on a new thought about Star Wars, um, it could have been because I reflected upon beginning, you know, this podcast a year ago or so, and, um, you know, there's a lot of pressure going around that time with, with COVID, and, um, it was nice to get back home and be able to do that podcast that I shared, uh, the last podcast, uh, that my, it was really my brother's idea, my brother's idea, and he really birthed, like, this concept that I felt, it was a fun experience, you know, I was happy to be home and happy to see him and we did something that was I think new, new and fresh and just <sighs> compelling. So compelling, you know. Like really thinking about a universe a galaxy far, far away, right? And the type of thought that you have access to when you you think about expanding your mind, you know, beyond school and brain and you realize that what has filled up your mind is a lot of cool stuff, you know, a lot of cool stuff and typically stuff that you enjoy, you know, the salience of information, the, the stuff that you just think about without even like having to feel like you, 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 you know, you want, it's like the, the choice, you have this choice to think about these things. Um, but rather than thinking about, you know, um, some book or <laughs> the study you have to do, the studies you have to do, or the people that you, um, you know, you enjoy talking to, but just Star Wars, just thinking about Star Wars, you know, Star Wars as, as a philosophy, as, as a mode of thought, you know, and thinking about that universe and how could that universe even shed light into, or darkness, you know, into your own life, life you know, and um, I was in a, in a chat about uh, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein and how that's a piece of, I guess, political science fiction, and it basically really made me realize how, you know, Star Wars is literally a, a political space opera, and it has this multitude of, or it has this, this dimension to it, right, that is able to apply to, you know, a number of ways that we exist, and for one, um, I just look at it as feeding into, um, you know, a, a historical like the historical tradition, you know, like people compare the empire to the Roman empire or even, um, the third Reich, you know, and I love that. I love thinking of that, but like that for myself, that always seemed easy to think about it like that, you know, as, as, as a, as a, um, drawing from historical examples and applying them. But in, in listening to this discussion about Frankenstein as, uh, a work of political theory, it suddenly spurred me into thought about, um, you know, Star Wars as a form of uh, political science fiction. 
um, and, and to be specific and uh, taking from that, that material. And it's a paper and, uh, or a book actually, it's this book about Mary Shelley's Frankenstein and how that relates to um, this argument for uh, AI, you know, and, and non-human rights um, made me think about how Star Wars fits into that type of um, um, uh, literature, you know, and, and how it adds, you know, to this political science fiction tradition. So I was just thinking about, you know, Mary, I was thinking about Mary Shelley and how her audience may have received, may have received um, that, what it was the Frankenstein, how they may have interpreted it at that time in history. So I thought, what about Star Wars, you know, um, what about Star Wars A New Hope, you know, how was that received during its time of creation, you know, when it was first received by an audience, you know, and um, there's a lot of other reasoning why, like, I could have, or I, how I kind of brought it full circle, yeah, not maybe completely full circle, but, um, you know, these art doesn't just occur, like, a, you know, in a vacuum, and if it does, it's like, whoa, that's special, but, you know, I think George Lucas would, probably be very open to this idea that he's pulling from, you know, like the Bible, you know, he's pulling from historical examples. Um, but one way of looking at it, and then I guess you say reading into it, would be this argument for technology, you know, this argument for the use of technology, you know, we, I think of like in the future from, you know, 1977 when this film is um, launched to the point when, um, you know, Reagan comes into office and he talks about like, Star Wars, you know, and, and and utilizing technology as a means for um, defense, right? And you know, and, and that sounds really political, but that's I'm just saying, like, I it's interesting how Star Wars begins to feed into um, how people come to think about um, artifacts around them. Um, the, the audience, right? The audience is thinking like, wow, is, is local or uh, immediate space travel something that's going to be of use to us, you know, just like we have cars and personalized cars, this personal, personalized aircraft um, that's able to, you know, reach, <laughs> you know, go into the, go into st space. Is that something that's, that's on the forefront? But just looking at the film 1977 and how that's interpreted by audience, I don't think that's what, uh, you know, I'm sure where there's a, there's, I, I'm sure not, someone in the audience is like, yeah, one day we're going to see space travel and whatnot, you know, but I'm taking it along the lines of that argument about like Frankenstein and like, how does, what does Frankenstein say about AI? And so I think of Darth Vader in a very similar way. You know, I think of Darth Vader as a George Lucas's Frankenstein, you know, because as I was thinking if I was first, you know, without having access to the prequels, um, even what we know now of like what what transpires in Empire Strikes Back and eventually what happens in um, Return of the Jedi, I think in 1977, if you are there in in the theater and you watch Star Wars, what do you think about Darth Vader? Right, like yeah, okay, he's the bad guy. Sure, okay, it's clear. One thing I find fascinating about that experience is uh, eight minutes of screen time. Eight minutes of screen time to create this, to have a significant impact upon the audience to the point where um, I think he leaves you in wonder. He leaves you with questions. He leaves you with longing. He leaves you with um, 
like I it can put awe, you know, he puts you in awe, wonder. And I think, of course, I mean, it's a, I guess the proof is in the pudding in the in the, the sense that you know there's <laughs> it's a franchise is <laughs> that is birthed at this point. But they, not to go on too many tangents, I just want to keep it pretty tight in response to this idea that you know Darth Vader is George Lucas's Frankenstein. And so what I'm what I'm saying here is that if you're in the audience and you're watching this movie you have no idea of the other movies that are to come you have no concept of this Darth Vader figure besides what you're perceiving on the screen you know and in this moment and he's he looks like a robot you know he looks like a robot he might be a cyborg you know and I think there is an argument at this point with the development of like the the computer and um, technology just you know technology is revolutionizing life you know especially like cognitive technology and there's like an argument about like um you know does this technology uh, in a way have rights you know like if we create some type of robot how is an audience going to um like a human audience living you know living really existing co coexisting with the robots how do we treat these robots you know how do we interact with these robots and i don't think darth vader is just you know him being the frankenstein him being like the monster um i mean star wars gives you a lot of evidence for the to, con to contrasting this this monster with um the behaviors of stormtroopers which i don't think we really have a clear understanding if they are either droid like or cyborg like or you know we don't know what's underneath that armor these these stormtroopers never take off their helmets all we again we just associate them with Star, uh, darth vader and they're not like um admiral tarkin you know and and those people that are clearly human they're um they look like they could be robots also and then there's of course oh ben kenobi and um luke and other humans like leia um han solo of course and they're clearly humans, you know, but then there's the figures of, of R2-D2 and C-3PO and clearly robots. But yet those robots are so helpful, you know, so willing to um, promote this cause. Like, um, I think it's R2, right? He has the plans to go to uh, old Ben Kenobi and um, he's kind of a little noble creature, right? Like he's not a human, but he behaves like one in a way you know or like a like a glorified dog in a way and so it, it puts me into like wonder if um like would it be very devastating to see you know r2d2 um be destroyed right to be killed and how would we react to such an event um i mean he's still with the series you know spoiler right but like he's still in the series he's still a real character um and then you see the same thing with c3po who's a little more technologically um i mean i don't know if he's more technologically evolved but like he looks more humanish you know is he a, i think he calls himself uh i don't think he says he's a cyborg but he's awesome you know and, and he does a lot of good and it's almost like he's a <laughs> he has full cognitive ability so those are like contrasting examples to this monster that is the darth vader and um i kind of want to just run through like this argument for um, Darth Vader as a monster, you know, and uh, I, I, 
I mean, like, there's here's one example. You know, um, in the beginning of the movie, I think it's like it's one of one of his like first lines is, uh, "Don't be too proud of this technological terror you've constructed. The ability to destroy a planet or even a whole system is insignificant next to the power of the force." And I think that first initial sentence about, like, don't be too proud of this technological terror you've constructed. I think Darth Vader is kind of directing, or I guess it'd be George Lucas, is directing that to the audience, you know. Like, if we don't know that Darth Vader is a human, is he not like a technological terror? And if he is this technological terror... He's, he's saying right here, like, you've constructed it. And I'm sure that this, like, concept does, is going to be applied, or it does apply to the Death Star, you know, and really this star, non-organic star, that is able, you know, to destroy planets, of course, we know that. But it's analogous to what maybe the audience is, or is perceiving as, like, this Frankenstein, you know, Darth Vader as a Frankenstein-like a non-human entity and it, it creates a question you know who who created uh, the Darth Vader you know and it, it I think like when that rhetoric uh, the language there is communicated does somebody react in it in a way that says they're not maybe not even or they may be thinking like um, you know yeah who they may be questioning who created the, this robot you know who created this this um, cyborg, even you know, uh, that is Darth Vader, um, and his, is his existence, you know, is it um, he being the monster? Is it his fault, like you know, for behaving in these ways, or is it the one who constructed? You know, the the Doctor Frankenstein. Is it um, we don't know who constructed him, but it the Empire constructed him, you know, is it their fault then? And then, you know, he's there and he, like, chokes someone out, and it's like, oh my gosh, this AI, artificial intelligent cyborg robot thing, he's a real piece of work, you know, he's you know, you know, he's just, he, in a way, he seems, like, fully cognitive, you know, and, and I know at this point, I'm wondering if people were uh, terrified of the potential for cognitive um, systems, you know, cognitive entities, cognitive um, robots, right, that could develop this will of their own, you know, I think like eight years or so, like in the future, you know, Terminators being developed, and that's a great example for, um, you know, this fully, like, cyborg, but most like robot, uh, machine thing that, in a way, doesn't really have too much cognitive control over it's destiny, right? They're like programmed, you know. But you know, Darth Vader continuing off of this first initial dialogue. You know, once again, he has eight minutes of screen time, so his dialogue is extremely limited. Um, but Darth Vader responds, you know, to Admiral Modi's. Uh, what he says is, "Don't try to frighten us with your sorcerer's ways, Lord Vader. Uh, your sad devotion to that ancient religion has not helped you conjure up the stolen data tapes or give you clairvoyance enough." to find the rebels hidden fort which kind of then at that point kind of like shows this limitation in this robot sorcerer um ancient religious like type of um entity you know it's like oh my gosh like 
is this like how does this robot have um, ideology you know how does this robot have belief you know and i think just knowing the history of or some history about like cognitive science and <laughs> like that's like a question is like how do we put belief in robots you know and if we're able to put belief in in cognitive machines um you know what would happen <laughs> that's an actual like an, an ethical concern um uh, for the science of the time and this is very interesting right because even like i don't know when in vitro for like in vitro develops you know this concept of like cloning things like that which are way more human like than what you would if you see a human that looks like a human you know that looks like arnold schwarzenegger you may assign this uh, type of like human rights values to those to those entities but like Darth Vader doesn't look like that he looks like a cyborg you know or if you I would say a robot's underneath all that armor right and you know he's ha he's heck of strong and then he's able to like like do these things that most humans can't like the force choke what's up with that um and that's what it, it continues like after uh, the admiral states that it's you know Vader starts to choke him and as he's choking him he says I find your lake of faith uh, disturbing very popular and um, it, it's like wow like this robot does have belief he's a fully cognitive machine you know and he's evil <laughs> but again that contrasts so deeply with <sighs> R2-D2 and C-3PO who are out and like performing this mission for the glory of the rebellion um so i think that's like a really a very powerful starting point um and let's see i mean there's like i think of c-3po c-3po again contrasting this like you have Darth Vader inflicting pain on a, on another like a real human, and it's like that's not okay, that's not right. Um, after you know they take over like a base and probably kill a bunch of rebels, humans. Um, but then like there's an example of C-3PO who states, um, "We seem to be made to suffer. It's our lot in life." But it's like no, Darth Vader is actually in, in like putting suffering on or uh, administering um, carnage, you know making humans suffer as and that contrast once again to c-3po says we seem to be made to suffer um no not darth vader you know or maybe he is but we, we we're not seeing that and he's not stating it but darth vader you know once again is like this technological terror you know who also maybe is being being perceived as as of course the villain the antagonist and a monster you know like Dr. Frankenstein's monster, Darth Vader is the monster. And we want him to probably get, we want him out. You know, we, we, we think that he's scary and he's a true monster and this robot doesn't have a right to live. You know, it seems a, a very simple solution just for him to, uh, like, de-plug him, you know, or unplug him. Um, so we continue. <laughs> I mean, that's just to get things a little started. I mean, I just want to go through to see some. I mean, I, let's see. Yeah, he's, he's intriguing. I don't want to just keep, like, I want to, I mean, I want to just talk about this. That's why usually I'm able to fill in all that. Um, 
Okay, here's a good one, right? <laughs> Darth Vader, um, when he begins to fight Ben Kenobi. I've been waiting for you, Obi-Wan. We meet again at last. The circle is now complete. When I left you, I was but the learner, but now I am the master. Uh, ben Kenobi, only a master of evil. Darth, <laughs> your powers are weak, old man. Uh, ben continues, you can't win, Darth. If you strike me down, I will become more powerful than you could possibly imagine. Darth, you should not have come back. And, I mean, this part is always intriguing just because of... Um, I mean, I know Ben does mention, like, having Darth Vader as a apprentice, but, you know, Star Wars is brand new, you know? Um, it's easy for, I guess, or it's very easy for me to fill in all, like, press what I do know and, like, press it onto this this uh, moment in history, you know, 1977, within a 1977 theater. But, like, you know, is, is like, Ben Kenobi the creator of this cyborg? <laughs> And it's kind of funny to think, um, I mean, not the robot, you know, not the robot. I mean, uh, Anakin, we know that Anakin, little Anakin, did create a robot, and that robot is C-3PO, and we also believe C-3PO has rights. Um, that seems clear, you know, C-3PO, we don't want him dead. It's like, that doesn't make sense. Like, why, why, why should we want him alive? Like, he's just a robot, you know, like, we, we have no problem seeing stormtroopers, clone troopers, droids being killed. But for whatever reason, it may be extremely damaging to see a beloved, uh, loved pet, you know, a, a beloved pet, um, be harmed. You know, that's just sad. You know, it's and it's like it puts in this really important, like, um, you know, current philosophical debate, ethical question: if like animals have rights and whatnot. But I think, like, you know, I wonder if the audience at, in this moment, like, I wonder if they're thinking, like, who created Darth Vader, you know, and, and because we don't know that what his identity is, you know, we don't know, but what gets all that we do know is that he's pretty evil and his master was Obi-Wan, you know, just like Anakin was the master of, um, C-3PO, um, or even like Padme being the master of like R2-D2. It's like right here, it's like, wow, like, um, Obi-Wan is is Obi-Wan the creator of Darth Vader Ball. We know he isn't. Um but if we know what we know now, it's like kind of <laughs> you know like this 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 oh, oh, like very overpowered uh human cyborg as opposed to a robot and that again that's my point I'm arguing but um I'm arguing that you know Darth Vader is 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 perceived as a robot in this film and we again we just wanted to be murdered <laughs> we, we don't care about it we, it wouldn't be murdered you know it'd just be like deactivated or um, shut down like a laptop you know and and um, when we see like Arnold Schwarzenegger in the future like losing control of his uh, his uh, capabilities I guess if he has free will um, uh, we have no problem with like seeing I mean we might be bummed that is Arnold going down there but like it's like it's kind of for the good you know uh that this robot and again he's not he's a cyborg you know and arnold is kind of he's more robot though more machine than like darth vader of again what we know of darth vader but at this point in the film it's like man like from what we do know of darth vader what we think we know of darth vader he's this technological terror that was trained by uh, obi and he was good but then he turned to the dark side you know, and he made evil 
his master, right? And we, we do learn a little bit about Palpatine, and Palpatine's clearly a human, but it, I think we're still left with um, not a clear understanding on who, um, who did create Darth Vader, you know? Um, let's see. I have some more. Let's see what else we want to move on to. <laughs> That's funny. I'm sorry, let's see. Let's see. That's funny. Yeah, I mean, it's clear that, like, Darth Vader is this very, um, um, like, cognitive, <laughs> capable machine. Like, I'm just going through his dialogue, that's why, and he fully has, like, free will, you know? <laughs> um, I just want to see if there's anything else that we could add. I mean, there's mostly, like, th thoughts that come off the top of my head. I wish I could have had like more evidence, but like I said, he only has eight minutes of screen time. And so his dialogue, I think is, I mean, people always criticize Star Wars for having like the sense of weak dialogue. Again, that's like a very uh, different type of argument. Um, but the things that I was mostly thinking about was um, um, when Star Wars is released, you know, it's a very curious time, like Cold War is occurring um, rock and roll is probably in, you know, um, we have like, I don't know if it's the midst of Vietnam, but I, I, I've recently been talking about like people's, um, concept of Vietnam and the major theme is like how, um, how the, the troops were perceived, you know, how, how veterans of Vietnam were perceived initially after that war, police action. And um, it's a very curious time, you know, in America. I don't know about the rest of the world, but it's interesting, like, that there's this, like, what I want to say is, the, I think the concept of human rights isn't really, like, thought about. And so George Lucas's narrative... I think kind of throws this idea back into our subconscious, you know, as we're watching this film and we think about the characters and there's even Chewbacca who's clearly not a human, you know, but does, do we, like, we like him, you know, we like him, we like the cyborgs, we don't like Darth Vader, we don't like the stormtroopers, but we also don't like the other evildoers that are working on behalf of the Empire, like, we just don't like bad right and it's like if they're bad let's see them die you know and and we there's countless stormtroopers storm that are just kind of like you know uh, nullified from the storyline like they don't matter which is very different than like <laughs> Star Wars that develops in the future
with like Clone Wars and whatnot, and some of our most beloved characters in Star Wars, like Captain Rex and um, Fives, um, Cody, Commander Cody. So I mean, those are they, there's this like sense of like attachment when we pay mind to those characters, you know, and um, you know we 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 do okay. We have eight minutes out of like a two-hour movie to pay mind to Darth Vader, but I think the whole time like we want to see more you know we want more Darth Vader he's fascinating I think what makes him fascinating is that unknown characteristic characteristic of him you know he's is he is a monster he is a monster but we don't know so much about him and part of like wanting to see his potential as a machine you know as this killing machine um, I think creates more more desire to see like what is he capable of you know what are these lightsaber yielding people capable of and and you know we have this clearly very human um, Obi Wan Kenobi like being like this epitome of um, I guess chivalry you know just getting annihilated you know by Darth Vader I don't know like at the time if if the audience is upset or, or they they want to see you know they're like wow like this Darth Vader he's terrible you know or if they're just like in awe you know if they're just like this is tough but wow you know um it, it's probably something that we've never experienced in film before you know like even the Death Star is like destroyed <sighs> And I mean, that's so much different, though, than this Darth Vader character. You know, that's like a. I mean, the Darth. Alderaan's destroyed by the Death Star, and then the Death Star's destroyed, and it's like, yay, hooray. And, you know, I could keep. Like, that's why I'm wondering if I want to, like, keep building on, like, like if I want to keep going with, you know, Empire Strikes Back. I mean, because this argument is. I think it comes at the end. Like, you have to see the whole. Like, you have to experience Darth Vader. Um, through the series, you know, through the the Empire Strikes Back, and um, even there you have Yoda, right? And then in the third movie, you get the big reveal. And I, I don't know if I wanted to cut this short. That's why, because like, I have two pretty solid points, and I was wondering if I was going to talk about the other two because they add in a lot of proof of this. You know, you have the Yoda. You have the Yoda, who's this little again, like a like a little creature. Who we were kind of bummed, you know, like he kind of disappears or something. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, he's kind of wild, but he's also like a teacher and he's good, right? He's on the side of rebellion. He's a Jedi. But you know, in that in that movie, it's just like the one of the most famous um, scenes in cinema is is the whole like Luke, I am your father, you know, which it's like okay, that's only possible if this dude is a human, <laughs> right? But then you're also exposed to all these other creatures, so who knows? It's, again, that's just a question I've been thinking about, or an idea I've been thinking about. And of course, we have the ending of, of Star Wars: um, um, Return of the Jedi. And again, like the big reveal, it's like, yeah, okay, yeah, this guy is not a robot, and he's good, also, you know. And, and but like the robots that we have seen we care like <laughs> they're more good than him you know they've been good the whole time c3po and r2d2 um i know that argument got a really like kind of like eh, at the end 
but um, I may explore this thought more. Um, I just wanted, I've been thinking about it and I kind of just wanted to share it uh, because this concept of non-human rights, I think, is huge. You know, I think it's relevant to uh, our current state in the world. Um, um, knowing, like, like the, fu the, the fate of not just, like, ourselves and our fellow humans, but also the species around us, you know, and, and even the, the land around us, the planets around us, you know, because... Um, I don't think non like non-human rights. I think it's a it's a type of um, argument that will ha help us appreciate um, our story a lot more. You know, our our life a lot more. Um, so that's why, like, I kind of you know I, I thought of this out of kind of that from that place. You know, the this concept that like even if like there was like a, if I had a pet R two D two. It'd be kind of sad, you know, to see that guy go, but he's a robot, you know, so who knows how much he has to eat and whatnot. Um, same with Darth Vader, you know, I, who knows how much he has to eat. Um, but then Star Wars technology is so much more advanced than our own, I would assume, I would think. Um, but yeah, that's kind of all I had planned for the day. I really wanted to deliver this information while it was fresh in my mind. I didn't really have an outline. I went through some quotes. Um, if you enjoyed it, let me know, you know, and um, we could continue talking about this. If not, I may just shift thought. I just, I know I kind of forced a lot at the end, so I apologize. But thank you for tuning in. Um, as always, God bless you all.